0: Welcome, Impactful Parents. It's time for the Impactful Parenting Podcast, where I give you parenting tips and resources to make you a more impactful parent to your school-age child. I am your host, Christina Campos. Welcome, Impactful Parents. Today, we're going to be talking about the changes and trends happening with adolescent choices. You know, things that parents need to keep an eye out for to prevent the bad stuff from happening. Hello, my name is Christina Campos, and I'm founder of The Impactful Parent, and I help parents of school-age children turn their chaos into connection with their adolescent. I offer parent education videos every week, online courses, and coaching. And if that wasn't enough, I bring experts in on other fields onto The Impactful Parent stage to teach you even more. And today I have a special guest. His name is Richard Capriola. And Richard Capriola has been a mental health and substance abuse counselor for over two decades. He has treated both teens and adults diagnosed with mental health and substance use disorders and is the author of The Addicted Child, A Parent's Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse. Now, Richard has been on The Impactful Parent a few times as I keep (laughs) inviting him back to give us the latest news and trends with adolescence. And yep, it's important for parents to know the latest trends in alcohol and drugs and other bad choices our kids are making so that we can be one step ahead to catch those warning signs and to stop those bad things before they happen. So to watch Richard's other episodes on The Impactful Parent, look for titles called Substance Abuse, Teen Substance Abuse and Mental Health Challenges After the Pandemic, And lastly, check out Richard's episode called Social Media and Teenagers. But today, I have Richard back to talk about more changes and trends happening with adolescent choices things that parents need to keep an eye out for to prevent that bad stuff from happening. Thank you for being on again, Richard.
1: Thank you, Christine. It's a pleasure to be here. And you are absolutely right uh, about trying to help parents become better informed about what's going on out there in the world, especially in regards to things like um, alcohol and drugs and eating disorders and self injury and even social media. The more we know as parents, uh, the, the better we feel prepared to deal with these issues if we have to. So many times I, I I met with parents and 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 I told them about their child's history of using a substance, and and they would they, they would say, I, I had no idea this was going on. Or if they did suspect their child was using a substance, they would say, I sort of thought something was going on. But but I didn't think it was this bad. And these are good parents. These are great parents, very good parents doing the best job they can. They missed the warning signs because nobody told them what to look for. So that's why I wrote my book, The Addicted Child, A Parent's Guide to Adolescent Substance Abuse, because I really think if parents know what to look for, if they know what their options are, they will feel better informed and more secure about what, it, what can be a very scary topic for parents.
0: It is a scary topic, because it's our worst fear realized. And yes, you just don't want to go there when you're a parent, you want to you want to pretend that it's not happening. But
1: you do, you do. And, and 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 you or you think, this can't happen to my kid. You know, this happens to other kids. This is not going to happen to my kid. Look, look where we live. Look where we send our kids to school. This can't happen. But but I can assure you that no kid, no child is is totally protected from getting involved in alcohol or drugs, and it doesn't matter where you live or what school you send your child to or what your income is. Every child is vulnerable. Uh, so the more we know as parents, the better we prepared. Uh, we, we feel prepared to deal with this issue.
0: That's absolutely right. And I'm going to add one more thing to that: that even if your child has good grades, that is still yeah. does not make you exempt. So. Yeah. Let's start with a brief overview of how teen substance abuse has changed after the pandemic. What's going on now yeah. with kids?
1: Well, before the pandemic, uh, I think the most alarming statistic that I saw was for three years prior to the pandemic, a dramatic increase in, in adolescents vaping nicotine and vaping marijuana. And, and parents uh, need to be aware of what this vaping thing is, what, what's involved in it. It's basically taking a substance like nicotine and marijuana using what's called a vaping pen, which turns it into uh, a vapor and then they inhale it. Well, for three years prior, the dramatic kids were turning to vaping at dramatic levels. It was really dramatic then the pandemic came along and for that year substance abuse significantly declined why because kids were pulled away from school and their social engagements and their peers and and their activities so uh, we saw we saw a pretty dramatic decrease in the level of teenagers using substances. We just got data in the last month about what has been going on a year after the pandemic. And what we saw was there's been a rebound in kids using substances, an increase, a slight increase. but it, And it still remains below the pre-pandemic level. So it hasn't gotten back to where it was before the pandemic yet. But nevertheless, there was an increase. And the biggest increase was in alcohol consumption. Alcohol consumption uh, among teenagers returned to pretty much where it was before the pandemic. Other drugs like marijuana, uh, uh, inhalants, hallucinogens, cocaine, um, those all showed slight increases in 2022. And there was also a slight increase in non-prescribed drugs like Ritalin and Adderall. But again, not as not as not as much as there was before the pandemic. So it looks like the trend is turning back up. We'll have to watch it very carefully to see how much it increases. But but it is turning back up. Another interesting finding was there was a pretty big increase in prescribed medications for ADHD, attention deficit disorder. And these are prescribed, so they're under a doctor's supervision, but there was a There was a pretty big increase in 2022 in those prescription medications for ADHD. And and what we think went on was during the pandemic, when kids were at home, parents were able to observe a little bit more their child's attention. And they maybe have become aware, more aware, that their child could have an attention deficit disorder. And they took them to the doctor and, and the doctor prescribed the medication. So that's one of the reasons why we think there was such a large increase increase in the prescribed use of, of ADHD medications.
0: Why do you think that it, people have chosen alcohol? You know, the kids over, let's say the vaping, like you said, the cocaine, alcohol has had the big increase. Any guesses of why that substance of all the other ones?
1: Well, alcohol has always been one of the popular drugs among teenagers. It's alcohol and marijuana are the two primary drugs, um, you know, that, that, that kids like. Now, prior to the pandemic, uh, high school seniors, 12th grade students, the percentage was 55%. It dropped down to 46% during the pandemic. And then a year after the pandemic, it rebounded to about 52%. So statistically, that's still a significant increase. Uh, the other drugs, you know, marijuana went from a pre-pandemic level amongst high school seniors of 35%. It dropped down to 30% during the pandemic, and it went up to 30.7, so only a small increase. Most of these substances that increased a year after the pandemic increased in very small percentages, with the exception of alcohol. And that may very well be that alcohol was just more readily available for these kids and easier to get a year after the pandemic, or it might be that they just prefer a lot of alcohol.
0: It could be. I'm wondering, just I'm throwing an idea out there as I'm hearing you talk, and I wonder if parents are modeling drinking during the pandemic, and then therefore their kids are more likely to mimic those same behaviors with their own coping skills. But I don't know, that's completely a guess.
1: Well, and, and it. And it's a, it's a reasonable assumption because we know that during the pandemic, parents were under a lot of stress as well. Many of them were forced to work at home. Some of them might have lost their jobs. That entire pandemic year was very stressful for parents. And we do know that there was an increase in alcohol use among among adults during that time period. So you may have hit upon something that, uh, that, that may very well be part of the reason why we saw an increase in adolescent alcohol use a year after the pandemic.
0: You know, teen substance abuse is often a coping mechanism as it was like for adults. You know, they we drank during the pandemic to, you know, help our stress levels. Uh, So teens drink to escape their reality and cope with their own problems. Now, sometimes mental health issues come in pairs or even triads. So Mm -hmm. does teen substance abuse prevent itself Um, present itself alone, or are these often uh, paired with another issue that parents should also be looking out for?
1: Well, it's both. Um, you know, some kids, uh, some teenagers are just using the substance because they're hanging out with peers that are using substances. Some of them get involved because they're of curiosity. They've heard of this thing, marijuana. They want to try it and see what it's like. They either have a good experience or a bad experience with it. And then, um, some some kids, not all, but some kids are using a substance to medicate, as you say, an underlying psychological issue. It might be anxiety. It might be depression. It could be some type of trauma. It might be an emerging personality disorder. But for some of these kids, they are using a substance to medicate that underlying issue. Many of the teenagers that I treated when I was at Menninger Clinic in Houston, Texas, uh, they were smoking a lot of marijuana. Um, sometimes multiple times a day. And when I asked them to help me understand why they were smoking so much marijuana, the number one answer that came back was it helps me with my anxiety. So for some kids, they're using a, a, a substance like marijuana or alcohol or some other substance to medicate an underlying uh, issue that is that is very difficult for them to handle. And that's why it's so important for parents if they suspect their child is using a substance to get a comprehensive assessment, not just a drug and alcohol assessment, but a comprehensive assessment. Because you want to either rule in or rule out whether or not your child might be using a substance to medicate an underlying issue. Because if they are, that issue, like anxiety or depression or whatever it is, needs to be treated as well as the substance use. You, You need to treat both.
0: And where would a parent go and find that type of testing?
1: I think the first thing a parent should do when they're seeking out where to get that kind of testing is to have a conversation with the school counselor or the school social worker, or the school psychologist. Many of them can do some of these assessments. And if, they, and if they can't, they can refer the parent to somebody in the community who can. So if you suspect your child is using a substance, I would start by having a conversation with the school counselor, the school social worker, or the school psychologist, and take guidance from them as to what type of assessments should be done and who can get them done for you.
0: I appreciate you leading our parents into that direction if that's where their worry is. Now, let's move into other things that parents have to worry about, things like eating disorders and even yes. self- harm.
1: Well, I have those two issues in my book, um, and I have the warning signs for them in my book. Uh, because sometimes I have uh, I have worked with teenagers who have a substance use disorder like alcohol or marijuana, but they've also got an eating disorder or they're self-injuring themselves. So they've got both going on. And that's why I put these warning signs in my book. Again, just so parents know what to look for, uh, for a child that might be developing an eating disorder, what to look for, what are the signs for a child that might be self-injuring themselves. So I put those in my book as well um some examples of a child that um you know might be self injuring themselves are you notice that the child is wearing clothes to cover up you know uh, self-injury marks uh, during hot weather you know it's not when you would typically be wearing these clothes you might see perhaps some blood stains on some of their clothing Um, they avoid situations where um, where they're expected to reveal some skin like wearing a swimsuit for example they may be very 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 reluctant to do that or if you notice any unexplained cuts or scratches or bruises on their body these can all be signs potentially potentially, potentially of a child that is self-injuring on the eating disorder side. um, You know, you, you might have a child who gives you a lot of excuses for avoiding eating. Uh, or a child that's always dieting, uh, or restricting their food intake, or storing food up, or they you have a compulsive use of diet pills and laxatives, or they have unhealthy swings in weight gain and weight loss. And there's other warning signs, too, that are in my book. But I want parents to be aware that sometimes uh, these can be developing uh, in, a, in an adolescent, and, and it goes unrecognized by parents. Kids are very clever. They know how to fly under the, the radar, especially with self-injury. They will self-injure themselves in areas of their body that are not observable. And therefore, it's very easy for a parent to miss them. Um, but, but again, I just want parents to be aware that this can be an issue that they need to know about and need to be uh, somewhat knowledgeable of the warning signs, because I've seen quite a few kids that were using the substance, maybe it was alcohol, maybe it was marijuana, but they were also self-injuring themselves. And both are coping skills. Both are coping skills for these kids. They're using the marijuana, they're smoking the marijuana to help them with anxiety. But when they get ramped up with high anxiety, they may have stumbled into self-injury as a way to relieve that feeling as well.
0: Now, there's one more area that I heard we have to worry about as parents, and that is gambling. What? Have you heard about this?
1: Um, it is not a big problem among the adolescent population. But again, it's just something that parents need to be aware of. Probably 3 to 5% uh, of the adolescent population is engaged in some form of, of gambling. Uh, Among high school seniors, um, you know, it's a little bit higher percentage of of kids that are gambling, does have the tendency to get out of control. Parents just need to be aware of it as as, as something that's going on. Now, it's not unusual, you know, for high school students to maybe... Place a bet on a World Series game or the or the Super Bowl, um, you know. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, sometimes they'll invite their friends over to the house, and they may have a poker game or play cards, and, and 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 that's perfectly okay as long as parents are aware of it and sort of stay on top of it. What you want to do is is be aware of when it might be getting out of control, when your child seems to be uh, borrowing a lot of money, and not paying it back, when your child seems to be um, taking on debt for some reason, or getting a lot of suspicious phone calls, or spending a lot of time on the internet, on gambling sites, Uh, those are things that you just need to just be observant and be aware of it. Uh, It is not a big problem among the adolescent population. Uh, but it is affecting a a certain percentage, maybe three to five percent of them, um, that could develop into a serious problem.
0: Now it sounds like the core to a lot of these choices that these adolescents are making really come down to mental health that's just not quite stable. Them not where we want to see our kids be. So. I'm always advocating that parents need to do mental health check-ins, check-in with your kid, you know, start asking questions, make sure that you're talking with your child, knowing what's going on. But I also know that you have some great insight on some specific things that parents can ask their children so we can get down to the the nitty gritty of how to do these check-ins. Can you elaborate on how we can do that?
1: Yeah, I think it's a good idea for parents every once in a while just to do a mental health check-in with their child. It doesn't have to be something you do every day, but every once in a while, just do a a mental health check-in with them to see how they're doing. If parents go to my book's website, www help the child.com. I posted a blog article that lists 10 things, 10 things that you can ask your child to check in on their mental health. And some of them can be fun, especially for kids that might be in elementary school, for example. Um, I've got the list here in front of me. Uh, I'm just going to give you some examples of what they were, what they are. For example, you you might ask your child, what three words best describe how you're feeling right now? And, and, and the child will hopefully give you three words that describe how they're feeling. Um, on a scale of 1 to 10, going from negative to positive, what number best describes your state of mind? Um, here's one that I think is good, especially for a young adolescent child. If your feelings were weather, what kind of a day would it be? OK, describe what kind of a day would it be if if your feelings were weather you know is it raining outside is it cloudy is it sunny and then you can once they give you that answer then you can inquire as to why they think that way what is it that leads them to believe it's a rainy day outside what does a rainy day mean for them um uh, what what would you like to have less of in your life? What would you like to have more of? Tell me about the best thing and the worst thing that happened to you this week. And what's the hardest part of being you right now? So those are just some examples of questions that you can ask your child to sort of check in from time to time to see how their mental health is. Some of them you know, can, can, can be, I think, funny. Some of them can be uh, pretty simple but yet give you a lot of insight if you follow up on them. Um, You know, so uh, those are on my website. I would encourage parents to take a look at them, maybe print them out, copy them down. And every once in a while, maybe once a week, or when you feel maybe, maybe I should be asking this today, pull out one or two of those questions and sit down with your child and ask them and see what response you get and follow up on it. You know, don't just take an answer, but when you get that answer, be curious as to why you're getting that answer. You know? So if a child gives you, I'm feeling like a five out of one to 10, you want, you want to inquire as to, well, tell me a little bit more of why you've put it at a 5 you know what, what leads you to say it's a 5 and what would what what do you think would make it a 7 or an 8 and sort of it, so you can get a conversation going on you just don't want to ask the question and get a and get a one word answer you want to follow it up to see if you can get a discussion going
0: I love that suggestion. And I'm going to add that when you are asking your child these questions and they're responding, if you're really concerned, I would say keep a journal of their responses because a lot of times you can find patterns. Yeah with your child's mood and what's going on if you had only just kept a journal or written it down somewhere even in your phone on your calendar like every tuesday it seems like you're having a bad day and then you then you can dig deeper what's going on on tuesdays is it a particular class are they running into somebody is it every time they go and see you know aunt judith or something like what is it that's that's so agitating that it brings down their mood so much um or you know friends or whatever it might look like, but you can't discover those patterns quite as easily unless they're actually written down and you're looking for them. So it doesn't yeah, take it from me.
1: That's Christina. That is an excellent idea. That's an excellent uh, thought and suggestion because if your child eventually needs to get some type of professional help counseling, that kind of information that you just suggested parents keep uh, keep recording and keep a log of that is going to be very valuable for a counselor so you want to you want to keep that journal going of what your child has been saying because you're creating a picture of that child that could be very valuable information for somebody like a counselor that or a therapist that might be working with your child and if not like you say it's good historical information that you can that you can sort of see how things are going with your child over time so that's that's outstanding.
0: And what are some last suggestion words? All right. We are as parents taken away. We got to make our check-ins with our kids. We see that now alcohol might be the big choice for kids right now. So a little special attention to finding out whether uh, they're consuming alcohol, maybe watching our own alcohol uh, consumptions. We're not role modeling and even the alcohol we have in our house, that it's not mysteriously uh, disappearing. So we have those two things. One last suggestion, what do parents need to do to stay on top of it and one step ahead?
1: Uh, Be aware of what the warning signs are. Learn what the warning signs are uh, because uh, you want to feel prepared. Uh, Know what your options are if you're confronted with this situation. Learn what the resources are and uh, just hopefully Feel more confident that you're able to understand what's going on, and you'll be able to deal with it uh, if you can. Um, and I think I think you'll just feel you know better prepared. And really, knowledge is power. And the goal of my writing the book uh, and, and our conversation is to help feel help parents feel less paranoid, more informed, and better prepared to deal with this issue if they have to.
0: And where can we get that book?
1: It's available on Amazon as both a Kindle and a paperback. Um, If you go to the book's uh, website, uh, www.helptheaddictedchild.com, HelpTheAddictedChild.com. the You can read the blog articles that I've posted, you can read book reviews and endorsements of the book. And if you'd like to have a copy, uh, there's a link that will take you directly to Amazon, where you can uh, purchase a copy of the book. It's not going to take you very long to read it, I deliberately kept it at about 100 pages, because I know that parents are busy, they don't have time to read volumes of information. So I packed into about 100 pages as much information as I can, that I hope every parent who reads it will feel, okay, I've got this, I feel a little bit better, I feel more confident, I can deal with this if I have to. So go to www the addicted child. And if you'd like to have it either as a Kindle or a paper book back, there's a link that'll take you to Amazon.
0: That's perfect. As always, thank you for being here with me, Richard, you are a wealth of knowledge, and I can't wait to have you back already. <laughs>
1: Thank you, Christine. It's a pleasure to be with you again.
0: I hope today's episode brought value to your day. And if you want to become a more impactful parent, download the Impactful Parent app. The Impactful Parent app is free to download and full of episodes like this one that are going to help you in your parenting journey. Carry help and tips and parenting resources right in your pocket so that you can refer to it when you need it most. Plus, when you download the Impactful Parent app, you are also joining a community of like-minded parents that also want to be the best parent they can for their child. So download the app for free and discover new techniques to making your parenting more effective and then get those parenting resources that are going to make your life easier and track your progress to help you make your parenting more accountable and intentional. All of this, plus so much more, can be found literally right inside your pocket as soon as you download that app today. You got nothing to lose. It's free. So go to theimpactfulparent.com or your app store on your phone and discover how you can step up your parenting game and become a more impactful parent. But until next time, you got this, parents. I'm just here to help. Thank you for listening today. Remember to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. And don't forget, the Impactful Parenting Podcast is an extension of the Impactful Parent community. Go to the Impactful Parent website and download the free Impactful Parent app so you don't miss a parenting tip that can help you and your family. Thanks for listening today. So go to theimpactfulparent.com. And see you next episode.